Fight! Welcome to the Philosophy of Fighting Podcast with your hosts, Arturo and Anu. Hello, listeners. Since you're probably a friend or family of one of us, you may not know about the other one. So we'll start off on a little bit about us and what we're trying to do with this podcast. Uh, I'll start off. I'm Arturo. I'm 36 years old. I grew up in New York with a noop, but live in San Diego now for a little over a decade. I've trained for about 10 years over a 15 year time period. I've trained in boxing, wrestling, Muay Thai, catch wrestling, jujitsu, and MMA. Jujitsu is what I've trained, trained longest. I'm a purple belt, but I consider myself more MMA focused. All right. Uh, Anoop, you can tell the listener a little bit about yourself. Go ahead. Okay, so like I already said, I grew up with him in New York. I actually did move out with him to San Diego for a little bit, and uh, Artie was my introduction into mixed martial arts. I still remember when we saw Rampage Jackson fight Chuck Liddell when Rampage took over the title. So that's about how long I've been following MMA. I've always considered myself an athlete, and uh, I think the ultimate form of athletics is fighting. So I used to do Taekwondo when I was younger, but I always felt it was like a little cheesy. It didn't really determine who's the best fighter. And then I think around when I was 26, so 10 years ago, I started training Sambo. And uh, then I moved on to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I would say I've probably done about five years worth of training in 10 years. I'm a blue belt. I think uh, I'm good enough to defeat many people that have never trained. But if you have trained, you know, you could probably kick my ass. So I'm kind of in this uh, sophomore age where I'm confident in my skills, but I'm also humble in knowing where I stack up against others. That's fair. I think we should all kind of be like that. Yeah. In this podcast, we're looking to talk about the difference between fighting and martial arts and how violence isn't always evil. We'll also touch up on our favorite sport, MMA, pretty regularly. We plan to use this platform to interview other martial artists, amateur and pro fighters. We'd like to give a glimpse into their life and perspective while giving them a platform to help promote what they feel is noteworthy. All right. I think the perfect way to start this podcast would be to ask you the question, if you can fight anyone in the world right now, who would you fight and why? Uh, I, as an investor in GME, GameStop, would fight Vlad Tenev because I believe they practice market manipulation regardless I think he's just like a billionaire scumbag now. And some people that are wealthy that I think have forgotten what it's like to be regular people and uh, taking liberties that maybe they shouldn't have should get punched in the face because I don't think the courts always work. So if I could fight anybody, it would be Vlad Tenev. I think it'd be a good fight. He's Eastern European. Maybe he like practice wrestling when he was like in Stanford or something. I just feel like he would be a tough battle. But as long as I got a couple shots and I'd feel good about myself. Nice. That, that's my next question is like, do you think you win? Yeah. I mean, I don't know anything about him. I just think Eastern European people from Bulgaria, I think they tend to be a little bit bigger. So I feel like he would have the size advantage on me. I don't know so much about his like background, like whether he grew up rich, poor, tough. But uh, I just feel like I have a lot more anger behind me right now. And okay. if he hasn't trained, I'll feel confident in myself. And it's not more like I want to kill him or anything. It's just like, yeah, when I like hit him a couple of times, I think it would be like a good way to just battle. I like to believe I'd win. I think I could okay. win. 
Okay. If I told you you would for sure lose to him, would you still want to fight him? Of course. Okay. <laughs> I knew that that was going to be your answer, but I want whoever might be listening to also know that too. <laughs> yeah, my mentality is I'm like a little bit of a smaller person. I'm 5'10", 155, so not like short, but skinny, Indian. And so I like to believe in like the David and Goliath myth. But I also just think regardless, if you're a smaller person, if you have the right attitude, you never totally lose. You're expected mm -hmm. to lose. And mm -hmm. so as long as you don't get dominated, like what is there really to be ashamed of? And why not really challenge yourself? I think the one thing people say about me at the gym is that like I'm scrappy and I'm squirrely, which I don't think is totally a compliment <laughs> because it's like, but it is like a little, I take it as a compliment <laughs> because I make it a fight, even though. I may not be best thing most of the time. You know okay. what I mean? By that term, yeah. scrappy. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I feel like whatever. Ooh, I, if it's like, a, it's not a, like a fight where we're fighting to the death, but it's like a fight where the gym and like, let's hurt each other a little bit and test each other. Yeah. Yeah. I have no fear. Even if I was going to lose, I think I would fight anybody as long as I'm not going to get murdered. All right. All right. Who do you uh... want to fight this week, Arturo? So my answer is going to be Jeff Bezos. Now, I think I have to admit, part of it is kind of selfish. So I won't even lie. It's more about this is the world's most powerful man. Can I put him under my will? <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> like, you are the most powerful man in the world, but not right now. At least potentially, right? <laughs> I, I like that perspective. It's like, yeah, you're fighting Lex Luthor. You're fighting a powerful. Yeah, yeah, foe. that's exactly it. He's the world's Lex Luthor. And like, that's a huge win. See, I don't know. Like, I just feel like that's a huge win. If I fought Vlad Tenev, I think most people hate Vlad Tenev. So I feel like, yeah, people would be like, all right, good. I'm rooting for a noob. But mm -hmm. I don't think Vlad Tenev has that in him where he would be like now i have to get a new back because i think like that would hurt him but i feel like jeff bezos would try to get you back if you oh, ever maybe. overpowered him yeah maybe but would you be nervous that like he like i don't know moved? i feel like i'm inconsequential to him well i guess if i like beat the hell out of him yeah <laughs> yeah but I, okay so, i mean a fight can go like two ways right like you can like beat the hell like malicious intent but my intent against Jeff Bezos is, again, I'm like, okay, yeah, like, people might think I'm, like, on behalf of them and championing the people or something. But I wouldn't be, like, hitting him to beat him up. I'd be like, oh, can I just basically break his will? It would probably be a lot more grappling and jujitsu oriented. I don't know. He's just under me. Like, I, I just envision, like, oh, I've got you on Neon Belly. You don't want to be in this world. Like, that's my <laughs> win almost. You know what I mean? hell yeah do you, yeah. Do you think there's like low-key though jeff bezos has been training and is like a beast. oh bro he's the he's the richest man in the world he's got to spend his money on something I'm, I'm assuming he's trained in something what else do you do with all your time okay here's the next fun question that's kind of related to this then now okay imagine you have unlimited resources like jeff bezos and you have to fight somebody in two years pick two people that you would want to train you like if you could hire them money's not an option what two oh, people do you want training God. you before a big battle what a question um that's a great question let me think about this two people anyone all right so i feel like we could do one in one 
We could do one and one, so you don't have to think too hard. Okay, so my first one would be like a Trevor Whitman, just like a really good strategist. Okay. Yeah, I'll pick Trevor, like he's really good coach. I'll, I'll go with that one off the get go. Like I like what he says. I like yeah, I like how he coaches. Okay, smart coach, probably the top coach. Yeah, coaches Usman and Justin Gagey, right? So like mm -hmm. a couple. Mm -hmm champion quality fighters all right that's a great one i wasn't even thinking coach in my head i was thinking like some fighter because <laughs> that, that way i get to hang out with them too so, like, I, <laughs> um, I like the way you're thinking though but i'm gonna stick with my original line of thought just for the purposes of the question so i don't change too much okay um what fighter do i really admire and that i think will toughen me up and get me prepared I love BJ Penn, but he's not training me well. Mm -hmm. Like where he's, mm -hmm. he's gonna smoke weed with me and we're gonna run on the beaches of Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> that, won't, that won't work. Uh, I think maybe like, all right, since this is like a little geography related, for those of you that don't know, I teach geography, so that matters to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll say Frankie Edgar. He's like, he's like my body weight, like size, small, tough as nails, right in New Jersey. So just like an hour and a half away. And I love his mix of just wrestling, boxing, like you just, just a smart, tough, Rocky-ish type fighter. And actually it's kind of related to BJ Penn because BJ Penn was my favorite, but Frankie Edgar beat him and I used to hate Frankie Edgar. Right. And then every fight I just get more and more respect for him. So I'll say Frankie Edgar as one of my, from what I know, Frankie Edgar is a good coach, too. Really? Yes. What have I've you heard? I've seen, oh, man, I think I've seen some back in the day, like, DVD instructionals from him. And the things he taught were, like, very interesting, unique, and he was a good teacher. He's not just, like, an athlete that, like, gets how to mix it up and stuff and just does things naturally. This guy understands what mm -hmm. he's doing. I, I would like to also add, I picked Frankie Edgar because I wanted also somebody that could teach me heart like toughness like oh, i think yeah, he understands yeah. the technique he's a good inspiration like, has, yeah like he's yeah. gonna have your back and make you i feel like he's that type of person all right all right so i'll pick my second coach so the first one i went with was like all right who's gonna be like my chief strategist mm -hmm. but he doesn't know me my second one would be a coach that knows me mm. so i would pick who i would consider my jujitsu father not my first coach but definitely like my longest standing coach and he'll still always be like my jiu-jitsu dad that's elias gallegos is a black belt in jiu-jitsu he's been training forever i just like that he was an old school type of jiu-jitsu guy who also studied like catch wrestling he was just a lot like dean where he's like what works is best he didn't have these ideas of like oh this move's illegal or he was definitely like a tough guy he would give speeches in class that like people would remember for the rest of their lives he was a public awesome public speaker like he did that like professionally and he was also like a minister like this yeah. guy was like the perfect coach he's still coaching in chula vista i love him to death yeah he's just the guy that you would follow into war with dude that's such a great response he's inspirational he knows me he knows my game and i'm like okay that that's who i'm picking the guy who knows me better that will inspire me and then the master strategist see for the listeners like that's the difference between me and Artie. Artie kind of like had like a good plan and now i kind of want to copy it my initial <laughs> thinking was 
Like who, you asked who, me who, this who. question. I figured you'd have been equipped. No, no, this is good. I like it. Because now I kind of want to say, like, all my coaches that I love, like, uh, Stephen Kepper, Stambo Steve, New York Combat Sambo, and I'd say Anthony Buckwitz of uh, Zero G BJJ in Brooklyn. And for the reason that you said, just good people, good coaches, like, mm-hmm. you, they have your back. Um, and, yeah, I'm going to mention them because I want to shout them out now. But I'll, for the purposes of this question, my original line of thinking was, like, more fighters that other people would know, maybe. Uh-huh. So who would I go with for my second person like that are more MMA related? You know, I'm picking people that I initially hated growing up, but I guess now I have a healthy respect. I think I would do George St. Pierre because I feel like mm. he is just also like that master strategist, like brilliant understands people's weaknesses and he trained under like Greg Jans- Jackson and Farah Sahabi. So I also feel like he's a genius coach. And I think, I guess with Frankie Edgar and George St. Pierre, you learn a little bit about my fight philosophy where I want to be able to take you down. And I think they're like two of the best wrestlers ever. Absolutely. And then implementing jujitsu and the ground game after that. And so I love the idea of like, quick jab understanding boxing but then changing levels and taking you down and then now you're my world mm-hmm. yeah th- those are two awesome awesome athletes that have what i would argue is like the best archetype for mma yeah like both of those guys have it figured out for sure so good well-rounded yep super well-balanced heart yeah i would say frankie has a little more heart than george George sometimes takes like the safe way to win, which is what I respect. But like, if I had like the purposes of this question was we have to win the fight. Right. And we're training for two years. So I want him on my side. It's not like just some blind gladiator competition. I figured both these dudes have a little bit of both. Yeah. So, so my answer kind of goes this way too. Like, let's say Jeff Bezos is like, I don't know, maybe he's like a, like a Putin and he has like a black belt in judo and all these different things. Yeah. And you're like, Oh shoot, this shit. But like, I still pick him because I'm like, all right, if I lose, I lost to the most powerful man on earth. You know, everyone loses to the most powerful man on earth, you know, like, yeah, it's almost like there's nothing to lose. Like I could just kind of Putin. Now that you say it, Putin would have been a great answer too. like, because yeah. Putin's a little bit older now, so like how much and and we can't totally try. All right, well oh, Russians are great fighters. Yeah, he's a- <laughs> yeah. Putin is a scary, and Russians are so good. And yeah, Samba, and talk about like aftermath, bro. Yeah, I, yeah, you know, like yo, Putin. what if Jeff Bezos is vindictive, bro? You know, you're done after this fight with Putin. I could also see Putin though being like, "All right, cool, you bested me, but I'm still no. better than you." But oh. I could see Putin then being like, just be a spy for me. And like, you get like in with Putin. You know what I mean? He might respect you. And be like, Bro, okay, I, I respect know. the. I'm guessing everyone you ever know is gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Bro, he didn't even like when people whistle blue on like PED use for his country. That's true. He was yeah, killing, Putin. he was making people disappear just for PEDs. Putin is scared. Every time I see like Khabib or Fedor or somebody like meet Putin, I'm thinking like they're scared, like which is crazy. Like, you yeah. know, like the baddest fighters in the world are like, oh my God. Yep. Yeah, that region of the world I think is the scare. I should have said Khabib. 
Fuck, this is a great. This is gonna be a weekly question. Oh, we could people like, maul you? But yeah, we're gonna do this every week. So like, yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. there'll be a ton of answers. All right, awesome. Yeah, I would love if people messaged us on Instagram, philosophy underscore fighting, and just let us know their unique picks. Like, who would you want to fight? I mean, I think like a lot of common people will be like, oh, any era, I'll pick Hitler. Uh, but I've heard like some really unique answers to that question over time. Yeah, I'd love to hear what people think, why they want to fight that person. It doesn't have to be like animosity. It could be a challenge. It could be just yeah. Oh, this person deserves it whatever it's a, you can take it where you want you know all right um do you want to talk about ufc last night i didn't really watch it i feel bad okay i, I mean was... it, it wasn't nothing crazy really happened i mean there was the huge eye poke just a deflated like darling was like wait that was the main event like yeah you're like and it kind of sucks because it was back-to-back main events not main events the, the first one was the bantamweight championship where we had a what's even crazier is there was another no decision on the card eric anders really? needs someone in the head a downed opponent eric anders in the week before was like yo aljamain you don't know the rules like he tweeted that and then he himself does it in the fight and you're like yo what is happening and then there's a no decision and then two fights later there's a no another no decision yo what is going on Thank God this is a fight night because this is a pay-per-view. Everyone's fuming that they paid, like, huge money for this. Yes. Yeah, back-to-back cards. This is frustrating. The Eric what Anders is- one, though, like, like okay, the Aljo, Peter Yan one was, like, way more, like, blatant. Yeah. Like, the Eric Anders one, it looked like he was aiming to hit his knee in his chest or something, and it kind of, like, hit the side of his head. And it didn't even seem like like a direct shot, but more like a – Mm. enough to call the fight because it was an illegal hit and like it did mess up the guy but it didn't look as brutal as like the Aljamain one yeah the Aljamain one probably changed the tone because Aljamain was like laying on the floor for like five minutes before they decide like okay like this one only took like a minute or two and they were like no we're not doing this that's good it should be the ref that does it not the fighter because then bias will come into play because I think Aljamain Sterling in one of the interviews was saying he was thinking that maybe he lost and then it would take more fights for him to get back into the championship mm-hmm. uh, fights. And it just became like this demoralizing thing where, yeah, then he's going to start making business decisions. And I think one of the reasons we like sports is it's not about business. It's just about effort. But now we live in a world where sports is business. So yeah, finding that line is like so impossible sometimes. Yeah. I think it's they're going to need to do something. Same thing with the NFL when it's like, how do you still not have like first downs known exactly correctly? Like there's lasers and magnets uh, and some technology. Yeah, that there's is millions weird. of dollars on every game. Like, you know, and there's millions of dollars on every fight. And just like a, a simple eye poke or just trusting the ref saw everything when 22 people are on the field like yeah. how does that work i i did like that herb dean someone was entering i, I don't know if it was coaches or maybe it was like uh the cardman or something like that but herb dean was like hey that doesn't matter get away from me like it was almost like he like he was very like no no no, no. like i'm doing my job 
stop with that. That doesn't matter what you're saying to me right now. Like, it was really like he took charge and it was like the appropriate thing. And you could tell it wasn't supposed to be picked up on camera, but it was heard. And it was like right then and there, you're like, oh, I think all of these incidences, like these refs realize their true purpose in the ring is to protect the fighter. And and they're like definitely more gun ho about it. But it feels like he's been around some of these issues where it's like he didn't know what to do. Like, I feel like Herb mm. Dean, like the last like few fights that I've seen where he has to stop the fight, it's kind of gone like in between, like stopping it and like kind of like waiting. Uh-huh. And like the fighter doesn't even know whether it's like really over or not. And I think maybe he's listening to that criticism and it's like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to just maybe take yeah. charge. Yeah. It's hard to know what goes on in the mind of these people, and especially in a fight, like when that fear creeps in or just like that anger or like well, here's yeah, another interesting thing, you know, because we're we are the philosophy of fighting podcast is uh Honey Yaya uh is a fighter. Uh he won last night, I think, second round submission. If he doesn't have the most submission victories, it's close. He's definitely in like the top three submission victories in UFC or whatever. Uh-huh. I guess rather quietly, but after interviewed, they were asking him about like Dominic Cruz or something. And I have trained with uh, Hani Yaya like way back. I've also trained with Dominic Cruz way back for a good decade almost. Um, and apparently the first time that Hani and Dom met, they got into like a street fight. Really? Yeah, he talked about this at like the, the I guess, post-fight speech or whatever. And he's like, yes, me and Dom are buddies now. We even trained together and stuff. We had a, a uh, fist fight. He's like, you can ask him for the details of the story because he actually loves telling the story. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I want to hear about this. This sounds really funny. So the interviewer asks him, oh, but who won? And he goes, oh, I won. And Dom will tell you I won too. Really? And so I was like, oh, this is crazy. I'm like, so the interviewer goes, do you want to fight him in the UFC? He's like, I would love to fight him in the UFC, but, you know, we're friends now. Like, he's he's like, I will definitely love to fight him in the UFC. I'm like, oh, there's definitely an interesting story here, like a real fight. Yeah, and I think that fits with, like, our worldview a little bit. Like, you don't have to hate each other to fight. But sometimes you do hate each other, then you do fight, and then you don't hate each other anymore because you already just fought. Yeah, like, so it's they're like, friends now. You they're trained, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Now I'm like a fan of this guy. Like I, I appreciate that candor. I mean, it's very, I, I don't know. Back in the day, I can't remember. I trained with Dominic Cruz and Hani Yaya a few times. It's very possible they were on the mat at the same time. I can't even remember. But regardless, I hope they follow up and ask Dom Cruz about this story because I'd love to know the details. And I think, you know, Hani's like English second language. He does a great job, but like, hearing it from dom who's very like he's a good storyteller i think that could be really interesting honey yeah yeah where's he from brazil mm-hmm. i can't imagine dominic cruz in a street fight because i just imagine dominic cruz running around a ring so then like running around the street <laughs> like circling i, I think honey like, honey like touched up on it like he pushed him and i think honey threw the first punch or something really yeah like okay. dominic cruz was like shoving him and honey threw the first punch yeah, that's 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 funny. And then he's like, "Ask Dom for the whole story. He'll let you know." Well, after Dominic Cruz called out, uh, what's that guy's name? Hans, Hans Molenkamp. I became a bigger fan of Dominic Cruz. I always respected him, but I like the idea of also some of these professional fighters not fighting 
just other UFC people, <laughs> like regular people a little bit mm-hmm. that are also trained and like just to see where they compare. I forget it was like a comedian. It might've been Louis CK that was like, we take for granted how great Olympians are and we should just have like one regular person run the race too. Oh yeah, just like to the control. How great, yeah, like these people are. Like that's a normal person running compared to these people. Because when everybody's great, you just you get lost in the greatness. And yeah, I would love to see oh, like man. some. I mean, even like uh, when fans watch UFC, like and people not not even fans, but just like people watch UFC and they're like, well, "Why doesn't he do this? Why doesn't he do this?" And it's like. It's funny because anytime I've brought like someone new to the mat, after one minute, they're in a world of tired and hurt. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, now imagine you're in your 10th minute against the world's best. Like, are you thinking, mm-hmm. do you even want to move? I've seen like critiques online recently where they're like, yo, that, that kick was being set up a mile away. Why didn't he move? Like, yo, he's <laughs> in the corner of the ring. He's tired. <laughs> like, what are you just thinking? You're just looking at this one strike. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not looking at the full context of the story here. Yeah. I, I also feel that way when people say lucky punches and stuff. Because part of me is like, he was trying to hit you. Like, you know, like it wasn't like right. that lucky. Like that was his intention. Yeah. And you knew he was trying to hit you. And you let that happen. Yeah. People people don't understand like oh he bit on the faint earlier so he doesn't want to let the other guy know he's gonna bite on the faint because now the other hand's gonna come and then all of a sudden that real hand comes and you're like yo why didn't he move like yo again there's more context to the story here it's not that he just doesn't have head movement he looked at where his foot was going he did something different this time like there's way more moving parts on the board you're just looking like oh yo the pawn just took the queen yeah, bro, there's 30 other pieces on the board right now. Yeah, I, I also think some people haven't, this is why I think everybody that likes MMA should train, not like train every day, but like train at least a few times so you kind of understand that it's like, if you like football, you've thrown a football around probably. Yeah. And if you if you watch baseball, you should take a couple swings with a bat. And yeah, it should be the same thing with like UFC fighting, just so you're kind of aware of like, how tired you get the fear that you get like my very first day like not first day like first week I remember training Sambo Mm -hmm. and I remember like the coach was just like stay on top of this guy for 30 seconds and I couldn't and then the guy was on top of me for 30 seconds and I really couldn't and I wanted to just tap from top pressure somebody just being on me and then we did a drill like a couple days later where it's like two people hold you like and it's just like Mm -hmm. I guess the drill is like try to get out, but also be calm. And I've never felt more claustrophobic in my life. Like where I wanted to scream and it was only for like a minute. And like, yeah, that humbles you like forever. Where it's like, all right, that's scary. Don't let that happen. Yeah. So here's the thing is like when people critique people on the football field and maybe they haven't even like played or something like that. I'm like, all right, you know, like they're just a fan. It gets them into the sport. They like it. And they might like shit on this guy. But this guy like makes mega millions. It doesn't mean anything to him. Yeah. But a fighter kind of hits me a little bit harder because they're not making that much money. Mm -hmm. You're kind of just saying like, oh, this guy's not that good. You just don't know what you don't know. You know, like 
it does hit me a little harder. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, no, you're an idiot. I'm just going to be like, ah, dude, like, you got to understand there's just a lot more pieces in the board. You try to, like, tell them about it, maybe even get them interested in trying it and stuff so they see. Most people, especially if they try it, they know right away. Mm -hmm. I'd like to bring a point up uh, from a fighter friend of mine, and I hope he actually comes on the show one of these days, Bradley Desir. He uh, was a Marine and he fought in Bellator, like, like an amazing, amazing dude. And he gave me an interesting perspective on fighters as well. He's like, there's no other sport really where you're like pretty much naked, you know, like you're vulnerable and like people are seeing you in one of the most vulnerable situations, like fighting another man who's like highly trained and like killing. And yeah, like you can get fucked up and it's because the other person's a champion too, you know, and you can fuck the other person up, but it, like, it requires so much, like, even just going out there is hard. It's like, they say the number one fear that people has is, has is like public speaking. And so if somebody was like, yo, go on stage and tell jokes, people would cry. Like, you know, like as a right. teacher, none of my students won't even raise their hand. Now imagine you actually have to fight somebody in front of people and then maybe even talk after winning or Not losing. Not just fight like, someone, terrible. but imagine like, you know, they tell you like, oh, take this knee to the head. Like it is going to hurt so bad at the moment and also for a week following and also mm -hmm. likely do permanent damage. Oh, and the whole world's going to see it too. Yeah, and the whole world is going to see it. Yeah, he's definitely got that right. Yeah, you guys should look him up, Bradley Featherstone Desir. And he's got a new gym, I think in Yonkers. I'll put it up in one of the one of the Instagrams, but I think it's the Ronin Academy. Him and uh, Tommy Doyle, like a, a black belt under Joseph Capizzi. Uh, they have like a philosophy, I believe, where it's like learn a little bit of everything and what applies to fighting and just like great, great people. So if you're in like that upper new york area like upper new york city area you guys should definitely check them out like amazing people if you're a listener right now like you might be surprised to find out that guys that fight for a living this is their sole job at least most of the guys in the ufc this is their sole job don't make that much money uh i think most sports like nba nfl like the owners make the nfl will make 50 players will make the other 50 percent yeah and it's like that in the NBA, where UFC, the fighters only make, I think, 17 or 19% of the total money grossed by UFC. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, ooh, that, does, that sounds way off. And these are guys that are like really risking everything with really low careers. Not to say that football players aren't doing that or anything like that. Yeah, it just seems like they would make more money than they do. Okay, so you said what the like say an undercard fighter in the UFC, what's the lowest you think they make? About 17 grand, you said? On a pay-per-view, yes. Or uh, like a fight night, probably yeah, the lowest ranked guy probably makes like ten thousand or so. Okay, let's say ten thousand to win, ten thousand to show, ten thousand to win. Let's say twenty thousand dollars, and yeah. it might be less. If they win. Maybe they could fight three times a year, so they make 60,000, assuming they always win. And then how much are they paying their coaches and their managers? Like 10, 15? Right. It depends. Percent. Yeah. Their managers get two to 5% generally. Their corner is probably another two to 5%. Depends. Like everyone has different deals. And 
people usually have to get like nutritionist training equipment like all this stuff costs um, so let's look up the minimum salary for a baseball player is five hundred fifty-five thousand. Yeah. So like you could be the worst baseball player, you will make half a million dollars. If you are the worst hockey player, you will make six hundred fifty thousand dollars. If you are and the worst NBA player, you will make five hundred eighty-two thousand dollars. Okay, but so I can I can defend those sports and that like they have higher ratings or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Okay, they deserve to make more money. But it is weird that the guys at the top of MMA make so much and the guys at the bottom of MMA make so little. Like the gradient is way wider, I think. Yeah, I, that's the world we live in. Like nobody cares about the undercard fighters. Like even, I mean, I care a little bit, but I didn't watch the fight last week. So that shows like I didn't care that much, you know, so... It would be nice, though, to see a fighters union to have what you said. It should be a little bit more balanced. The other sports are closer to 50-50, where the UFC is closer to 80-20. Yeah, and Dana White has even said it. He's like, this is not a career. This is just an opportunity. And you're like, mm. oof, I don't know if those are the right words to say, man. Yeah. That's not yeah. good for your sport either. People just view this as like, oh, I can get a few fights in here. Like, you know, name recognition, notoriety, legacy. These are all things that help build your sport. If you're mm -hmm. not going to have guys doing this, if this is just an opportunity and not a career, I don't know if that pans well for your sport either. And you're not getting the best athletes then. Like, there are people in the NBA and the NFL, like, if they started earlier, could have been amazing fighters, but they just rather play basketball and make 40 times as much. Right. Right? So it's like, why even risk it? Like Timothy Mozgov, I think, got like 16 million a year for four years. Like he might be making more than the last three UFC cards combined if you take out Connor and everybody. Right. And he's yeah. not good at all. <laughs> like, so it's just crazy to think about. Yeah, it also shows though that MMA has a lot of space to grow. And so if you could like invest in sports and time, like you should invest in MMA if you're like a young athlete. I think like you have a, maybe a better chance of getting into it. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I think at this point, it's getting to the point where if you don't start when you are younger, things are going to be a bit more difficult. Yeah. And one thing for those of the people that are thinking about training, some of you that may be young, if you ever wanted to shoot basketballs with LeBron James, it's not happening. But if you decide you want to maybe try to be a fighter or just train, you can go to Marcelo Garcia's gym, Marcelo Garcia's gym, or you could go to Henzo Gracie's gym and you could be surrounded by legends. And after a few years, you might even be like rolling with them. And that's like, to me, the greatest thing about this sport is that you can be amongst the greats. Like you said, you got to train with Dominic Cruz a little bit. Like, oh, yeah. Like I have like, a list of professional fighters I've been able to train with, which has been an amazing experience to see what it's like, the speed in which they move, how they think. Yeah, man, it's pretty wild. I've trained with a lot of people. And it's not a rare thing. It's like a thing where if you do it and you get involved, it's like having a catch. Right. I think I, was, I think I was training uh, maybe three years, maybe four years in. 
before I was starting to become like a, like, oh, I was invited to pro practice and, oh, okay, now, like, if you want, this guy would like to have you have like a sparring partner you can work in, like, on random rounds and stuff. I'm like, oh, man, this was, I loved it. I ate it all up. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. It's the most accessible sport. And people, I think, are still humble. Maybe they're humble because they are fighters mm-hmm. and they recognize, like, you know, their capabilities. But I feel like, yeah, it's really easy to meet good people. And the people that aren't fighters, just regular people that are training, are all great people. We were talking about this last week. Like, we've, yeah. I've trained with some people for two, three years. We've never gotten to a fight. We don't even know what we do each other for livings. <laughs> we don't know anything about each other, but we love each other. And then, after COVID, when we couldn't roll and people were just on group chats kind of discussing politics, people started actually not liking each other. So three years of fighting, we love each other. One year of no fighting, you start to see like some uh, tension. And I just think that's like amazing. That kind of yeah, this is shows one something of those about the Where I'm like, this is where, you know, some form, some art of violence is good because there is a definitive bonding through it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i love yeah. it i love it all right that about wraps up our first episode of the podcast we hope you enjoyed it thanks for listening to the philosophy of fighting podcast if you have any questions suggestions or if you would like to fight us send us a dm on instagram at philosophy underscore fighting